0: Joe and Coach, so we're out there in New Mexico. Coach, tell me how hot is it out there in Albuquerque right now, man?
1: <laughs> it's not too bad, man. We have a little desert, we have a little elevation, it cools down. Actually, got a little rain lately, so i it,
0: Now, Coach, you want to from your in-state rival, call state New Mexico? No, know it's a big opportunity for you, Coach. But for me, I want to Tennessee State. I can go over to the boss here. So, Coach, how was it for you in your mind deciding to come over to Mexico, take over the Lobos, and lead them and now be a Lobo and forget you guys where?
1: No, an unusual situation for sure. You know, obviously, it it was a lot of time, especially for their rival, but, you know, it was just an opportunity that I just couldn't pass up. It's an amazing school with career upside. um, It was just something I just couldn't say no to.
2: Coach, what was it about New Mexico? the administration along the city of Albuquerque that kind of resonated with you and your fans made you decide to take this opportunity?
1: You know, really just, you know, there's a lot of, of factors here that make it, you know, just really a sleeping giant. You know, there have been some periods in the past where it have really been rolling, you know, the fan support, the arena, you know, the size of the city without a professional sports team you know, really has a lot of characteristics, so really premier, you know, b- college basketball programs. And I think as long as we do the right thing and, and build this thing the right way, we have the potential to come down- programs as well. So, you know, to take over a program like this is really just beyond my wildest dream. You know, I'm grateful to have it. You can do everything I can to make it the best it can be. And
0: Coach, to the what kind of guys you want to bring into your program, coach? And also, look at let's Look at Let's say your program instead of high sub coach. You can get jugos, high school grad transfers. I mean, coach, you have a lot of options because, like you said, you're in the kind of the big thing town. You know, you're in a town it's kind of urban as well. Yeah, I think you can do. Kids want that, and they also like say play well for you. They can get in in a nice conference, a nice good mid-major conference, and pop try. Or your conference can get two or three bids based on RPIs, all that, all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, man, it's an amazing job. It, it's a great city. It, it, we've, we've pretty much hit on almost all the recruits we've got so far. We've got some really high-rated high kids. Like you said, we can do it a lot of different ways. we some traditional transfers, some junior college kids. So, you know, we're looking at it every way we can, trying to find the best players we can. And I think once we get them have, uh, it makes life a lot easier on the recruiting front.
2: So, Coach, when, uh, when your squad takes the field, like what's kind of a preview of what style uh, are you thinking that you're going to be able to play with the guys that you have uh, now that you're inheriting, and then maybe what style you want to play, with these you bring into the program through the different avenues that Jr. just mentioned uh, moving forward.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, our goal is to play in the here we have high elevation, which kind of reduces the oxygen levels, and I think as your training um, gets used to that, it allows us, and it gives an uh, to use that um, in the style we want to play. So they up and down. Um, our team currently lacks a little bit of size, um, which also lends itself to trying to play very up, you know, up tempo. And that's just the way I coach. The way I coached last year is the way I want to coach at this year's team. Very, you know, pressure and pressure defensively and play very fast on offense, you know, be able to use the three-point dot, and just have an exciting brand of basketball, not only for recruiting and really players, but also for the fans to make sure they want to come out and watch a good product. You know, are we going to be able to be the absolute fastest, most up-tempo team in be day one this year? I don't know, but that's definitely what we're aiming towards, and we're going to push the needle that way as far as we can.
0: We got Paul, we here in the Boston. The Mexico Lobos out there in Albuquerque doing big things. Now, Coach, I'm curious about your non conference scheduling, Coach. What you being in a, in a pretty much, a, I'll say a higher major, major, major conference level, you can probably get guys to come play you. Not have to always be on the road or do a two for one or play three to get one back. So, I don't see a schedule probably already done for you. How you going to games going forward? Do you want to test your guys early non conference? you want to give them some wins? How do you want to attack it for your program as you build it there with the Lobos?
1: I mean if you always wanna play the best teams you can. So you wanna make it as competitive as possible. You know, each team, you know, each year is gonna probably happen. and you know, trying to find a way to schedule that way to make give it give yourselves the best chance of being the best team you can be. You know, if that means you have a young team, I you want to change start early so they can, you know, get some games for later on. If it's a more vet team, you might want to take things slowly. There's a million ways to look at how you want to schedule. But for me, it's about just trying to be as competitive as absolutely possible. You know, we're not here to necessarily schedule for wins as much as we are just trying to get better. And the only way to get better is to play the best. So, you know, most of it was done before I got here. But the intent would be to continue to do that every year.
2: So, Coach Jr. Is behind the show here. Jr. is making fun of me now because he's telling me I got football on the brain. But I just asked you, you know, about your squad taking the field and not the court. Yeah, he's, no he's worries, making he's a... making he's making
1: fun of me, telling me I got football on the. brain. It's like fantasy football. Everybody <laughs> thinking about it, man.
2: Well, when I started with the show, I started off as the fantasy football guy. Okay, so that's how I go. started with Jr. So I'm just going back to my roots, man. <laughs> there
3: you go. There you go.
2: So just uh, wanted to touch on uh, your time in Toronto. Growing up there yep. uh, what made you choose basketball uh, as that path over you know me hockey, which is very
1: popular up up north yeah no doubt man shoot was good enough I played hockey up until about 14, 15 in Canada that your guy would become a professional player or not and uh, I kind of segued into basketball fell in love with it played it I coached it I uh, was fortunate enough you know this past month to, to go to Egypt with the Canadian you know junior national team and we were able to win gold there, which was really cool so you know being a part of that real explosion in Canada has been really fun. It's been fun to it's been fun to see. I've been very fortunate to kinda of be a recipient of it and recruiting and coaching and hopeful that we're gonna to continue to grow and make basketball in Canada very special.
2: So JR doesn't do he doesn't do cold weather. He would not provide uh in sure. north of the border. No, he, he called me one day, coach on <laughs> Hill in Nashville. He called me and told me it was wintertime and it had snowed and it was kind of like he, on the hill. He told me he was locked in his house, you know, by his own doing for like a week. You know, he's like, <laughs> I can't go down the hill, John. I don't know how to deal with the ice. I <laughs> to so he was done for, for a week. He was like, I'm done. I just called the work. <laughs> I
1: tell you what, man, I haven't been back in a long time. I've been in the state of Mexico for 10 years now. I don't know if I can go back to it either, to be honest. With
2: you. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. I'm, I'm up north in Iowa. can okay, Cleveland. It gets cold. I spent like three weeks in uh, – phoenix and scottsdale area a couple years ago and when i came back it's like you just get used to that climate you know you can just it's the same climate every day it's warm you get used to it
1: yeah no question man i mean Mexico because we are out in the desert we, like we will get a little bit of a winter and it does get cooler at night so it's not man you get down in that south and in georgia and florida that, those summers man those are those are rough to deal with but but out here you know you, you do have some nice cooler summers at times which is good and, and uh it's it's a place to live the state of New mexico has been great to me um, I've, I've really enjoyed living here and hopefully I can live here a lot longer.
0: And of course, first this off. Uh, who are some coaches who's really meant a lot to you professionally, help you become a coach you all are day? Who are some guys who you probably might not know as look up to the counts borrow from them to help you as you coach your teams and coach your team over the years as you begin coaching in his business for the last year's in San Francisco right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I've, I've had a lot of, of coaches that I've worked with, um, you know, while I was not a head coach, you know, kind of colleagues of mine that have been great to me you know, the three head coaches I had that had um, you no know, guts to hire me. Mike McConathy was my first head coach at Northwestern State University in Louisiana. Uh, and he took a chance on Michael Trump, uh, Steve Alford at university of Iowa kind of hired me after that. And then, and then Marvin Menzies hired me at New Mexico state. So be thankful of those three for, for just giving me the opportunities that, that I had. Um, and then there are, there are literally, you know, 10 different hundreds of other coaches that I've come across in my journey. here that have been very influential to me, you know, very impressionable on me and helped mold me into who I am today. And, really,
0: really as well. Well, Coach, where I would tell you what, man, we really enjoyed you having on the show. We look forward to the game with down the future, Coach. We're, we're cheering for the low balls out there. We, we definitely just come close to Georgia, or Tennessee, Ohio. I guarantee you, me and Donald city and support you, Coach. I love it, man. I appreciate you getting on. All right, Coach. Thank
1: you.
0: Have a great day, man. All
3: right,
1: take
0: care. Hey, folks, it's Paul Weir here on the Buffalo. so Donald Young Out the break.
2: Thanks to this year-round research and analysis, the guys at DDC have an unmatched understanding of player values. So gain an edge on your league mates this season by hitting up DraftDayConsultants.com. That's www.DraftDayConsultants.com. Now get after it, fantasy footballers.
0: Hip-hop fans, I got a great album for you. Back here, with Jared the Boss Man show. Let's talk to Paul Weird, Mexico. Now we gotta to talk to my my friends, a person friend of mine, and a friend of the show, and John and myself, my man, Donald Young, playing good, been 50 in the world, ATP World Tour, We're with seeing Atlanta this week. Come up down at the Atlanta open. Atlanta Station. Come see him play, people. Get some tickets today. Holler, at my man. DY What's good, DY, What's good? How you feeling, bro?
4: I feel good, man. Glad to be back on the show, uh, talking to you guys, and uh, hanging out.
0: I hear that, man. You told me you up for doing some World Team this, man. How's that going for you? Are you, are you playing well? You're, you're getting the wins, you're getting them five points. How's it going, man?
4: Yeah, uh, it's fine, man. Uh, you know, playing World is totally different. The scoring is different. It's just first of four points. There's no ad. You know, it's only five games, and every game counts because it's cumulative over five sets. So the last couple of nights they've come out big. I played Isner the first night, and I played Marty Fish last night. So um, it's been uh, crazy.
0: Big service, man. But but you are the big serve slayer, man. Of good you did in Memphis against Opelka, Isner, all them big serves you took down. You you you're the man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh,
4: yeah. It's different when you have time, but you know, it's you know uh, not as long. It's tough, but it's always tough. You gotta read it right, you gotta take care of yourself, most importantly. But yeah, you know, uh playing those guys are difficult, but you have to do it when you have to do it.
0: And uh just wanna ask you, man, where's been the key to your success this year, man? Congrats on the on the year, man. You've been doing a great hell of a job, man. What's been the success in your mind, the key factors make you successful this year? Is it just maturity, you know, getting just committing more to your game fitness? Where's it been, man, and ready to take you to the level you are this year, man?
4: Uh, i think it's a combination of a lot of stuff i think mentally i'm staying in the matches longer competing better um playing more to my strengths and the older i get the more i'm realizing what i do well and don't do well and just sticking to that and when you can focus on the positives and not the negatives so much you know it just gives yourself the best possible opportunity to win
2: so dy to, to kind of spin off of that question, I just want to ask and get your sense of how gratifying it's been for you to, to have the success you've had this season and kind of um, quiet down some of the naysayers who said maybe you needed a new voice in your camp. And it kind of vindicates your decision to, to have your parents coaching you and guiding your
4: career. Yeah, um, you know, it's always great because, first of all, you want to do a well for yourself. And then, you know, always in the back of your mind, you might have a little of those things. But for me, it was me first and foremost, and I thought I could always do it. So it was just a matter of, you know, actually doing it and not just being a thought. So it's been great. And to do it consistently has been something I've been wanting to do. And I look forward to continuing that throughout the summer, which is a very important, most important time in the season for me. And, and, yeah, I'm just happy to be you know, playing consistently well and, and competing and, and playing close to the way I feel I can play.
2: So, JR I just want to jump in for one second, if you don't mind. The, the, the point you made, Donald, about kind of knowing that you had um, the talent and the success in you and then trying to get that out of you onto the court and, and into reality – what is it like? I mean, it's difficult to, for, I guess the best way to put it is it's difficult for maybe an amateur athlete to get over that hump to being a professional athlete. And you've been a pro for quite a, quite a a, a while now. How did you get that to that point? How did you get it out of you onto the court and and make it a reality for yourself?
4: Man, it was a lot of work, a lot of mental work, uh, just a lot of just self-talk, positive self-talk. Cause you know, you're out there in the same situations happen that didn't go well in the past, you start to have the same thoughts. But to kind of change those and think of things new and just doing different things because you can't keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. That's absolutely insanity. So to do different things and, and hope for something better. And so far, it's been working and hopefully it continues to work even better and and. and go a lot further
2: and, and for all young athletes out there I mean that's really what it is you, you made the point it's, it's mental I mean there's plenty of people out there who have the physical attributes and physical talent to make it on the next level up from wherever they're playing now but to, to get and to become mentally tough I guess is what we're talking about and and persevere when you have some adversity in front of you is really what it takes right
4: A hundred percent. To be honest, I mean, at this level, everyone can play and hit the ball great. So you have to do something a little different than that, uh, you know, above and beyond. So I think most of it's between the ears and just competing hard and and fighting and and just handling the moments, the pressure moments better, because those are going to happen. And whoever handles those better in any sport, but tennis, you know, you can actually win more points than the guy and, and lose the match. It's one of those weird things. So you just kind to play the right points right. The important points you need to win.
0: We got Donald Young here on The Boss, man. showing them 50 in the world. See him Atlanta this weekend. Land station, people. Come on, see Donald Young. You play people. You're going to enjoy it. Now, D.Y., I know you had tough loss at the French, the Ferrer in the fifth set, but you fought hard, man. You still fought hard. Wimbledon against Nadal. You could have went away. You still fought hard. The fans cheering you on, man. So I think just seeing how you're fighting, and people feel me about you, D-Wise, is that your your friend fights. Everybody tells me your, your, your guy fights. He don't give up, which is a testament to you, man, because... They, people see it on TV how you're still in the match. You know you, it's not going well, but you're trying to find a solution to do it. You're still playing your game. You're doing what you do do well. You're worried about what you do. You do, do the best. So how does it feel when pit fans tell me or, t- or feedback say, hey, they, they, they see you're a fighter? Does that make you feel good if it wants to feel vindicated again that, hey, the mental work you're doing is working, that I'm still out here hanging in these matches, not letting these guys get in my head. I'm still trying to do everything I can to make these guys uncomfortable and win these matches.
4: A hundred percent it does. Yeah, Jared, that, that's a good point. Because before, early in my career, that was something that was not a thing you could say at all about me. It was more so you get on top of me and I'll fold and it's gone. But again, you see all the best players in the world and that's what they do. You know, it's a little easier for them because they've won a lot. so You have a lot of, um, of those memories to go off of, you know, but um, it's just what you need to do. You compete your butt off, and, and at the end of the day, what else do I have to do? This is my job. This is what I've chosen to do. I love playing tennis. And a friend of mine always said, like, what else better do you have to do? And that was a really good statement. Like, there is nothing else better. So when I'm out there, I'm playing 100%, and it would be a a crime not to do that for my fans, myself, most importantly, you know, my coaches and team, and people who support me, so I try to give it my all.
0: And speaking of the Roland girls, bro, because uh, yeah, I was in the hospital doing that whole situation, but – seeing you go on that run with Santiago after that sponsor for you could have been like, nah, I'm done with double screw this. But you and Santiago made that run to the open final. You know, you played well in, and- for you guys, you all still team together at the big events going forward, and you see yourself playing other smaller events. I know he's kind of a clay court guy, you know, kind of a guy like that. So how do you see you in Santiago's partnership going forward? But how is it to make that match run and make the French Open positive for you, even though you lost a tough match with Ferrer, but still, you got to the French Open doubles final. You can't take it away from here ever in the rest of your life.
4: A hundred percent, yeah, it, it was great. Like, if you'd have told me right after that match with Ferrer, I would be in the finals of uh, doubles. I'd have taken that every day of the week. And, you know, it was just a testament. And I think I actually played doubles the following day. So I was super sore and I wasn't feeling great, but I was able to go out there and play well. And we had a magical run to the finals. And like you said, there's something that you can never take away from somebody. Of course, I would have loved to get over the hump and win it. But at the end of the day, if you would have told me again on Monday that I would have been there, I would have taken it every day. And as far as us playing, yes, we're definitely going to play. In some of the bigger tournaments, Uh, we're going to play at the U.S. Open, some of the Master Series in the summer, like Cincy and uh, Montreal, and then see how we can go, because we're 13 on the list and race to, um, or we were, to London. So we actually have a chance, so hopefully we can play well.
2: Now, Donald, there was a a pretty fair amount of debate about the conditions at Wimbledon. What were your feelings on that? Some people have even said that uh, Roland Garros played faster than Wimbledon, and uh, you got to tell us that ain't true, right? (laughs) Yeah,
4: I would like to say that. But Wimbledon was playing very slow this year, actually. It's just totally different bounces. Like, you know, if you hit the right shots, it can skid through and go fast. But if if you don't, it was sitting up, and it was a little slow. So uh, the practice courts were even slower than the match courts. But luckily, the match courts were a little faster. But I got a chance to play on center, and center was perfect. It was the court you would dream on playing, and it played just like grass should play. So, I mean, overall, I think it played great. I mean... You know, it's grass, so it's tough to keep it super consistent because it's something you can't really control 100%. But, um, yeah, it plays solid, I thought.
0: Now, D-Walsh, lead the grass and jump to the hard courts right away. On a summer hard court run... What are your favorite stops, and what about each stop you really like about getting a feature that kind of makes you it makes it unique that you really like about each one of these stops you're going to play? You you head to the U.S. Open. It's your favorite court, Court 17 out there.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, definitely. I have a couple of favorite stops I, know stops that I love to play at into the
4: Open. Uh, D.C. is definitely right there at the top of the list. I mean, I love the demographic of the fans and the crowd and the places to eat. It's just a real chill place, you know, and it's awesome. The court is great. It plays just right. And then moving on, obviously, you have those match series. I love playing in Canada, which is awesome. And Winston-Salem, which is another great tournament. It's close to Atlanta, so a lot of family and friends come down. And then, obviously, when you get to the U.S. Open, it's, it's money. I love Court 17. Uh, a couple guys have sent me and said my hashtag during that should be Mr. Court 17. So, but I, I, I love it, and I love the Open in general. So any court I play on there, it's a privilege and a pleasure to play.
2: So, <clears throat> Donald, seeing a guy like Fed uh, winning Wimbledon at 35, uh, Venus Williams still out there at 37, looking at your career, seeing so many guys in the top 100 on the. Hello?
0: John Gass, sniper, oh, yeah, <laughs> I got
2: sniper. Oh, I got, I got, I got you back. I got you back now, boys. Okay. Did, did you uh, have a chance to hear that question, Donald? Did um, you, you need you me to repeat you're
4: it? You said talking about Finn and Venus, like with their career lasting longer and playing well.
2: Yeah, just Does in general terms, you know, seeing these seeing these players that have had you know long term success and, and longevity in their careers. Looking at your career, uh, you, you see yourself having you know another decade on the court playing at a high level.
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's crazy with Fed doing and Venus, you know, they're absolute, you know, I mean, icons and and great players, but definitely there's a lot of guys that are well into their thirties playing better tennis than they ever have. And for me to still be in my twenties, it's great. And it gives you a lot of confidence and belief that you can do it and your best tennis is in front of you. And I I firmly believe that, you know, obviously I don't have a choice to take that, but it's not just saying that because that's the only option I have. It's something I... Truly believe that my best tennis is in front of me, and I and I hope to um, continue and um, keep doing better things.
0: Okay, I, dy dy, I missed my twenties. Dy, i missed, uh, 30, I missed my twenties. Already, I missed it. They listen. That three looks weird to be like, You're thirty now, Lord. I missed twenty nine already. JR yeah. right. exactly. I'll just
2: put this out there for you boys, okay? I'm I'm pushing forty hard, okay? So my next <laughs> birthday is gonna have a four in the front of it. So <laughs> you say you missed that two, JR, I'd be missing that three. <laughs> Are you? Uh so DY, I, I know that everything we talked about uh during the interview up to this point has been extremely important. But what we're going to talk about next might be a little bit more important, and that is um, wrestling. we got to get into some wrestling, man. Okay? Yeah. Now, I understand that you're somewhat of a wrestling fan, aficionado, and um, we have the Boss Report. On the show, and you may or may not have heard some of the boss reports lately. We've had uh, some instances where we've talked about stories in which you know people are just doing random wrestling moves out in public, like they get bad service oh, wow. at a fast food restaurant, and next thing you know, somebody's <laughs> dropping a Stone Cold Stunner on the on the, uh, oh, on the worker or something like that. So um, that being the case, I need to get from you. Uh, if you were in a situation like that, what would be some of your favorite wrestling moves to to drop on people and maybe some of your favorite wrestlers of yesteryear and today? And just give me a little breakdown on that.
4: Uh, Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of good ones. You know, uh, the rock people's elbow would be nice. <laughs> I people's mean, there's elbow, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, the that's people's elbow. Yeah, I um, yeah, just it's just crazy to see some of the guys still out there wrestling. They were doing it when I was a kid and younger and, you know, just stuff that's going on and, and they're still able to be out there, like actually doing it with all the nicks and bruises that they've had. So for, in that instance, it's great. And to see some of the same guys like in different parts of it, you know, either doing commentating or, or whatever, the, or, you know, running the, running it or whatever the situation is, is totally different it's cool to see them progress as well like so, as i've progressed in my life they have as well
2: okay so just I, i'm gonna throw it out there i'm gonna go to you first uh single word answer your favorite wrestler as a kid was who the rock, the rock. okay d y same question to you sir
4: it has to be the rock but another close second would have to be someone like a uh, booker t kurt angle type thing
2: Okay, now I'm gonna this is I'm gonna date myself real bad here boys, but my favorite is the Junkyard Dog. You guys remember Junkyard Dog? I've heard the name. Dude, I've you got to look it up. After the show, go look up Junkyard Dog. He was the best. He wore this big huge rope chain, right, around his neck. You know, like that was his his collar, and he he was the best. He would get down on all fours and like act like a dog in the ring, and he was tough too, dude. That that was my dude. That was my dude oh, back wow. in the day.
0: Yeah. Okay. Nice. Now, now, Dy John, I want to share with you a story. It'll be on today's Law <laughs> board. Here we go, guys.
2: This this is a little preview for you here, Dy. This is what I deal
0: with right. every week. Okay? This this is what John will tell you about. Florida man was arrested after running nude through the hotel, pulling fire alarms spraying guests in the face with fire and finish them off with stone cold stunners. <laughs> That's
2: too much. <laughs> so, all right. So listen, here's what we're going to do next time. Next time you got free time when you're on tour, hit us up and let us know. And you come in and instead of doing the interview, we'll do, a, a, you do a boss report with us. Okay. Uh, do a sounds boss good. Report with us and we roll through and we do these stories and we analyze them. So in this instance, the analy- I have to analyze the story that JR gives me and the first thing I'm going to okay. tell you is Florida man is naked. That's just what he does. Okay? That's not even that's <laughs> not even like something that would be um, alarming to me at this point. Having done these boss reports for 5 years, Florida man is naked, that's standard. Okay? Wow. My question is why is he stone cold stunning people as he's running through the hotel? Like what what did these people do to this man? Nothing. He just went <laughs> on a he went on a stone cold stunner spree, right? Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Pretty much. I'm like,
4: that's
2: for nice.
0: real, you got a naked dudes, put a flower spraying spray and get with fire, then start stunning them after that. Like, have we done enough damage already? But this why the
2: only <laughs> thing worse than getting a Stone cold stunner is getting a stone cold stunner from a naked dude. That's that's it. That's the only thing
4: that 100
0: Yes, indeed. Woo! Wee! So, D.Y., after the U.S. Open, D.Y., whenever you just to take that break before you go over to play in China at the Shanghai Masters and all that good, or Tokyo, Which one you choose to do. We got to get you on for the ball support, man, after the Open, man. Oh,
4: <laughs> got that get, that man.
0: sounds good. <laughs> sounds like a plan. Yes, D Well, bro, I thank you for being a friend of the show. Come on, give us your time, man. Look forward to seeing you Saturday and cheering you on at the ATL Open, man, and good luck and then I'll see you Saturday, man. All right, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. See you Saturday. All right, folks, it's Don kill on the Boss Man Show. Three.
2: Thanks to this year-round research and analysis, the guys at DDC have an unmatched understanding of player values. So gain an edge on your league mates this season by hitting up DraftDayConsultants.com. That's www.DraftDayConsultants.com. Now get after it, fantasy footballers.
0: Hip-hop fans, I got a great album for you.
3: athleticsconsulting.com. Once again, www.academicsandathleticsconsulting.com Or you can follow me on Facebook at Academics and Athletic Consulting Or Twitter at coachtwheel 24 Or Instagram, TravisLWilliams24
0: The Boss Man Show. We've had on Paul Weir in New Mexico. Donald Young playing in the Atlanta Open coming up next week. And we're going out to the Bay Area. To Bay Area News Group Sports columnist, Warriors Beat writer, author of a new book called The Golden, The Miraculous Rise of Steph Curry. It's the man, myth, legend. It's Marcus Thompson on the Boss Man Show. Marcus, what's good in the Bay Area, man?
5: What's up? I was just wondering if me being on the Boss Man Show makes me a boss too. That's what I need to know.
0: Yes, it does. My boss now. Yes, you All are. Right, I'm a boss. Then you a boss. I'm with the that. Boss Marcus Thompson. There you go. Or say or do it Byron Rick Ross. Marcus Thompson. Boss. <laughs> That's <seems> funny. <laughs> hey, it might not it might not work with the wife though. She might be like, who you now you what. <laughs>
5: She know, she know it's just the
0: shtick, you know. I'm like, hey man, that's just the personality. <laughs> <I got laughs> you know, I love you, baby. <laughs> I got you, man. Hey, congrats on the book, man. So tell me, man, on um, what inspired you to write this book and share the inside account you have from covering the Warriors from your perspective as a first hand account and the guys from the organization who shared about the rise of Steph Curry and seeing him grow as a player and an individual and into a family. Man, they almost a global icon now.
5: You know, uh, I'm going to be 1,000% honest with you. What inspired this book was that somebody was wanted me to write it, and they was going to pay me. <laughs> they, it's like, hey, man, I mean, we need a book about ourselves. We're going to pay you to do it. I was like, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the that, best inspiration, that the inspiration you can have. Yep. Right? That was it. Uh, I mean, it is a great story, right? It's a, It's got a little bit of everything. It's got a little bit of, you know, the NBA's version of the little engine that could. Right, it's got a little bit of uh, overcoming adversity uh, and celebrity. It's a, it's a little bit of a peek, you know, into the life of somebody and you know get to know who he is behind the persona. As you know, you it's a lot of like behind the velvet rope of like inside the Warriors locker room and behind the scenes and and all that. So it is a great story there. But you know, I was motivated by by the check.
2: Now, what uh, at what point did did from your perspective did steph curry get over these um past foot and ankle issues and and kind of believe start to believe he was fully healthy and uh, on his way to becoming a superstar and that global name uh, that he has now become to millions of people i think steph might be one of those dudes who
5: like always knew it and and everybody else was tripping you know like i've I've been a star and y'all need to figure it out like there there is a bit of that in him like he always thought this was him and he just needed to show it. But I do – on the other flip side of that, I do think there were some, like, realization moments. When he dropped 54 in Madison Square Garden in February 13. like, that was that, oh, wait, hold on. Especially when you see the list of people who dropped 50 at Madison Square Garden, you're like, all right, man, who who does that? People just don't do that. And then the 2013 playoffs, when he just went off and he was dropping 20-point quarters, And they upset uh, Denver and put a real scare to San Antonio. He was the best player on the court for for much of it. Like that's where you can see like this dude, like he he's special. Like this is this is not just another good player. This is one of those guys who can really dominate a game. Because there were just moments in the game where the littlest dude on the court was the best player, and there was no questioning about it. I think that's what I knew. Like he would be next level.
0: We got Marcus Thompson. The boss here on the Boss Man show with Jr. John. Boss now, baby. (laughs) You got there right. Hey, you put that on your Twitter handle. Boss, like put that your name on Thompson. Boss, like for real. Like there you go, man. So, man, how enjoyable. His run been the last three years for you to cover the team on a daily basis? we got a podcast with Draymond, Steve Kerr, Iguodala doing his thing, stuff, now Durant, you know, all different guys who always have great takes on stuff, whether it be political, personal, basketball, off the court. So come to work every day knowing that you might get some good a good comment or a good quote to run with. How's it been for you these last three years? It's been the win most every night as well. How's it been for you, man?
5: And this is, why, this is why we do it, right? This is why I went to journalism school. Uh, it's, it's crazy, too, because, uh, like, when, when you look back on, you know, the Cowboys and you read the books about the Cowboys, and it's like I wasn't around for the but I get to catch up. I get to learn about that from the people who covered it. And it's like it must have been insane to cover the Showtime Lakers, right? So sometimes I'm like, yo, I'm in that right now, right? It's like in 20 years somebody's going to be like, Man, Marcus, he was there the whole time. So it's, it's really kind of surreal because you feel like you're in the middle of history. Like, you feel like what's happening right now is stuff that's going to be documented and remembered and talked about in the next generation. So it's, it's really surreal that way, especially when you get KD and everything is like, I mean, look at this team. It's, just, it's an embarrassment of riches. On top of that, remember, I've been covering this team since 2004. So we also contrast in that with some of the awful basketball I watched for so many years, like some of the terrible franchises that I had to cover and think about. So we live in a dream right now, and it's going to be a dream for like at least at least two or three more years. You
2: know, saying uh, uh, you know, touching on all those points that you just did, kind of makes me realize that maybe it was a little bit easier um, for from the creative process of the book because of the openness of the guys the characters that they have on the team uh, you know the amount of talent the success that they're having so was that part of it a little bit easier for the creative process of writing the book and you know just having so much as you put it an embarrassment of riches of activity to pull from
5: The biggest help was that I already knew Steph, right? So our relationship had been developed for like, you know, what, since he he was drafted in 2009. So I was covering the team there. So I didn't have to do the, let's sit down for two hours to get to know you, right? Like we've already had all those conversations. So on top of that, like I already know the other guys. Like I was there when Draymond got drafted. So I already had these relationships, which helped me start at, at second base instead of, you know, at home plate. So, those were big helps, but no question. Like, just how open they are, how willing to talk they are, how comfortable they are in their own skin. It definitely helps. You could literally ask anything. If it's crazy, they're going to look at you and tell you it's crazy and ask you, what the hell kind of question is that? Right. But, but they still cool about it. Like, Kevin Durant had no idea he was that cool. You could literally go up to Kevin Durant and talk. We've talked about battle rap, right? <laughs> yeah, like, you can just go up to him and just talk to him, and he he's always down to talk. We've we've already plotted out his podcast. He, he's like, man, I want to do a podcast one day. I was like, this is what you should do, and we just throw an idea at him. Like they they're just they, to be as big stars they are. They're all they all really have this kind of down to earth, uh, normal side. I think that's why they work because they are relatively humble and unselfish, and they all got that every man kind of vibe about them. So. They're really easy to get along with, and they just—it's just really hard to have beef with them. You're like you really got to be crazy to have beef with them, because even if they don't like what you're writing, they still are cool with it because they understand how the game goes.
0: No doubt, no doubt, man. Marcus, let me see this for you, bro. Uh, when did you know this team will be special? Championships? Did you know the first year Steve Crutch took over, this was a little scary team? And also, looking at that current for the, for the professional roster right now, man. How many years will they to keep on with this roster together and is Lakewood going that tax knowing that the windfall is coming in two years to keep Clay there, keep Draymond maxed out? How's all that going to work out in your mind, Marcus?
5: So as, as far as the first part, like I didn't, I didn't see this coming at first. You know, I thought they would be that team that would make the West finals and lose or make the finals and lose. Like in my mind, they skipped a step. Like they were supposed to – well, like, like really, they had a flip. Like, they won a championship in fifteen, and in sixteen, they choked one. I figured it would be reverse. Like, they would choke the first one because they haven't been there before, and then win the next one. So, like, you could see the potential was there, but when they won, that was a surprise. But as far as like how long they keep this together, it's going to at least twenty nineteen, and then really, it's all on Clay. They got two more years because everybody signed, and then it's all on Clay. Does Clay want to go be the man somewhere else? Or does he want to stay? And I think that's going to be the imperative decision. Uh, so I, I think it's going to end there. That, that's my guess. I, two more years and then one of them will leave. I think they will still be good. They will still be in the title conversation. I don't think they keep all four together because this year one, and already the owner Joe Lagos is like, yo, that's a lot of money. <laughs> so what's it going to be in year three, once you start hitting the repeater tax and the caps going crazy, I think at some point, something's got to give, right? And I think in 2019 is where they say, Clay, we love you, but we not give you $30 once you go to Lakers with Paul George.
2: Now we touched on this um, pre-show, but, you know, let's get back to it a little bit. Where do you think things stand with uh, McGee coming back as the third center with the market, you know, kind of dried up or seemingly dried up? How shocked were you when Durant took less than his non-bird max to get back? Uh, you know, Livingston, Iguodala, uh, when will the you know the cash in a, the the max deal? I guess uh, like when will he cash in that max deal? I guess like uh, Curry did. All these things are coming down the line. So where do you stand on these things? Well, Javale, I know you know he
5: had one of the best seasons of his career. He kind of resurrected his name. So Javale is like like that should be worth something, right? <laughs> and. I just think the NBA that they don't value centers like that anymore. So he's finding the market to be tough. There's nobody out there with that, you know, five, six, seven million $7 million. And, you know, he probably was hoping to get closer to 10, you know, especially when you see Timothy Mozgov getting 60 million, a guy like JaVale, like, man, I produced for a championship team. That should get me something. So I think he's going to end up, you know, taking the minimum somewhere maybe you know, it's not going to be a big deal, and he might end up coming back. I know some of his teammates are trying to talk him into just taking the money and coming back. Uh, but as far as like KD, man, I was, I was completely shocked. I couldn't, I, I, still don't really understand why he did it, except like the owner is like, hey, man, this is my limit. I'm not going over 130 million. And knowing that, he was like, all right, I'll get you down to 130 million. But other than that, he like the only reason he did it was to say. The owner money and I was I was just I was shocked. I just didn't think he would do that. You see, Andre Iguodala went out there and pimped for every nickel. Like he played the game like it was poker, and they called his bluff. And he was like, "All right, I might go to Sacramento. All right, Andre, chill, chill. We'll give you your money, right?" And he got every nickel he could get. Steph got every nickel he could get. So to see KD turn around and do that, like I was, I was surprised. And it actually, what, what it actually did was it actually like. He he earned his stripe as a warrior because really the reason this has all worked is because they all have taken they all have taken an L at some point. Steph been taking an L for four years. Draymond took an L. Clay took an L. Andre took an L when he first got there. Like so, this was him saying, "All right, I'm with y'all. I'm gonna take my L now so we can keep the team together." I don't know. I don't know how long he's gonna do that. I think he knows next year I'm getting that full max, that Steph Curry super max of forty million a year. I think he knows that that's coming next year plus he got 300 million from nike but i don't know man that's that he left he left nine million dollars on the table so i i i I know you deem me a boss right but i'm not that much of a boss yet to just sniff at nine million that's a lot of money (laughs)
0: look i want every dime on my contract yes so to my my distributors uh to my platform hosts to my affiliates uh i want every dime and you know uh July of 18 is coming up, so yes.
5: <laughs> every w- dime. I, I want every dime. Look
0: here. Look here. I'm fighting for thousands. He's fighting for me. I'm fighting for thousands, man. I got to get every thousand I can. <laughs> I'm not leaving 9,000
5: on the table. I might not leave 9,000 on the table.
3: <laughs>
0: this
5: dude left 9 million. Ooh, that must be another world.
0: Hey, look here. Think about it. You and Kelly, man. You might have lost taxes anyway in taxes anyway. That, that tax I think, right? is, is horrible. So hey, it might not be as big as more money you make that thirteen for one percent tax is even worse. Ooh, Man, experience. they
5: talking about out here out here it was a story out a few like a couple of months ago that if you make a hundred thousand in the Bay Area you consider low income. <laughs> I'm
0: like well, <laughs> that's, that's just insane. That's hurtful. <laughs> I this low income.
5: we in the bread line. Like, hey, we're the food bank at? I make six figures. That's crazy.
0: Man, oh, man. So, Marcus, before you go, man, can you share with our, our audience here where they can follow you on Twitter, social media, and get at your book from various platforms? So I want my listeners to get, go get your book, man, check your, your work out, man. So tell the listeners where they can get your book at and follow your work at the Bay Area News News Group, my man.
5: So you know, I'm I'm always findable at Thompson Scribe. You pick the medium, you're gonna find Thompson Scribe. Oh, it could be Twitter, Facebook, whatever, Instagram. I'm I'm Thompson Scribe. Uh, the book is everywhere. Everywhere books are sold. It's Barnes and Noble, Amazon, your local bookstore, you name it. And if you're in Oakland, I got some in my trunk. But them fifty nine ninety nine. So if you want one of those, <laughs> plus I, I need that fifty nine ninety nine <laughs> in cash. In cash up front, and don't don't come with fifty because I'm not leaving nine dollars on the table. I need the whole fifty-nine. It's,
2: you're selling them like you're <laughs> talking about those those rap battle mixtapes with KD. Well, you that's know what I'm saying? That's, <laughs> that's how I was inspired. You know, I grew up on
5: two shorts slanging tapes off the trunk, so. Now I'm slinging right. books out the trunk. That's how we do it.
0: <laughs> no doubt. Hey, Marcus. It's been great, bro. And Now you're a boss. Your hey wife, you're you, you officially a boss. Now we've bestowed the bosses upon you, my man. We got to do it again real soon, brother. Close seasons get started, man. When the Hawks play. Are you coming to Atlanta when the Hawks play? You coming to Atlanta, bro?
5: Absolutely. We got to get together. i Atlanta day. just because I need that new stadium. I need, to, I need to check out that new arena experience. It looks higher in there.
0: Like, all right. It's oh, yeah. I love you. Look, look amazing, here, right? I am a first front row hawks champion <laughs> that's what i do at the hawks games i'm a front row first row champion and uh, hanging out with, with the people in slayer business that's what i do and, and you might see a reality tv about, show I mean, getting filmed while you're on the front row of the hawks game you know you might see a rapper you know with his with, with third different hood or <laughs> thot It's just what it's Hawks games for you man that's what
5: i <laughs> That's how I go down. You know, well, you know, I went to Clark Atlanta, so I'm ATL bred.
0: Oh, okay. You so know, you I know did, I did my time. already. Yeah. So my man, right on cue. Hey, oh, even yeah. Even better. Even Look here. I have been known to hang by James P. Brawley Drive and the Old School Ware Home. That's. <laughs> and I, I heard they was changing James
5: P. Brawley Drive to your name. That's what, my, that's what my alumni newsletter says, <laughs> that they changed it to your name.
0: <laughs> they need to, because as much as o- I was over there, <laughs> I, I'm a star. Look it. I have some bodies over
5: there. <laughs> a, you got a body count over there.
0: Huh? Yeah, here Commons. comments. <laughs> I know all of it. Look at like, AUC, was oh. good to me. <laughs>
5: absolutely, absolutely.
0: Yes, indeed. Hey, Mark, this has been great, man. I'll do it again real soon, bro. Have a good one. We'll talk to you down the road, my man. Absolutely. All right, folks. Michael Thompson here on the Boss Man Show. This is the boss report after the break.
2: Thanks to this year-round research and analysis, the guys at DDC have an unmatched understanding of player values. So gain an edge on your league mates this season by hitting up DraftDayConsultants.com. That's www.DraftDayConsultants.com. Now get after it, fantasy footballers.
0: Hip-hop fans, I got a great album for you.
3: athleticsconsulting.com. Once again, www.academicsandathleticsconsulting.com Or you can follow me on Facebook at Academics and Athletic Consulting or Twitter at coacht-wheel 24 or Instagram TravisLWilliams24
0: show for you day, Paul. we're in new mexico we have my man donald young we saw i had marcus thompson the barrier news group and now we go to the boss report john you ready for it my man yeah i'm ready man we had a great show so far so uh let's cap this bad boy off no doubt well folks you've been waiting on it it's time for it it's here it's the boss report what the elf Aussie gentleman has his thumb replaced with a big toe after a bull attack. <laughs> this is okay. I'm gonna tell you the story.
2: It's not that uncommon. I knew a kid growing up that he lost one. He lost his. I think it was his middle finger, like the top of his middle finger, in some kind of like lawnmower accident, right? And so they took one of his toes and they put it on top of his finger, right? And you really couldn't tell, except if you looked at it real close, you could see, like, the scar from where the surgery was. And you could tell then when you looked at it real close that it was a toe on his hand. It was freaky, dude. But a big toe is different than, like, a middle finger toe, right? (laughs) Wow. A big toe thumb is different than a middle finger toe.
0: (laughs) You got that right. Florida man arrested after hiding Cookie Monster Doll at the playground at his son's preschool to dish out later to secure time with the boy's teacher.
2: (laughs) Wait a minute, run this one back real quick.
0: Florida man arrested after hiding Cookie Monster Doll at the playground at his son's preschool to dish out later to secure time with the boy's teacher. I mean, that. I don't know, dude. That's... That's a pretty good plan, though, right?
2: Like, I mean, it's ill-conceived, but it's, you know, it's not a terrible plan, right?
0: Exactly. not a terrible plan, (laughs) just poor execution of the plan. Poor execution, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Inconcerated stack faces, O.J. Simpson almost pissed off his chance of parole over some contraband cookies.
2: Now, this is... Dude, we could do a whole show on this cat, but if you're O.J. Simpson, right, and you screwed up your get-out-of-jail-free card once already, if I were him, I would be that close to parole or being paroled. I would sit in my cell. I wouldn't talk to anybody. I wouldn't do anything. I would just sit there and stare at the wall until they let me out of the gates. That's what I would do because the only thing that you could do is hurt yourself by interacting with people. Just shut up. Look at the wall until they release you, right? Exactly. That's what I would do if I was... I charged. mean, like, I, I don't know, dude. I mean, I I still can't believe that he got rung up the way that he did, you know, in, in this whole situation that he's in jail for now. I mean, that was a really stupid, stupid thing to do, but man, it's really even more dumb when you've had the, the history that he has had with the, the authorities, so
0: I don't know, man. Exactly. Sloppy toppy seconds. Florida man named Tommy was arrested after getting busted receiving a double top off outside of Little Caesars while he drank wine and jammed.
2: <laughs> Wait, did you say jam?
0: Yes, ja and jammed. Yes. <laughs> we'll
2: get to that in a second. Okay. Do you remember the old? He was getting the double toppy. Yes. Outside Little Caesars. Yes. You remember what Little Caesars' uh, slogan used to be? Pizza, 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 pizza. <laughs> pizza toppy, pizza. toppy. <laughs> he was getting toppy, 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 toppy. Yes. Uh, uh, okay. Now back to the wine and jam. Is that something am, am I unaware of? Is this a uh, combination that is in you know frequent circulation in the United States? Wine and jam. Is that a new thing, Jr? Am I missing out here? Was he just eating the jam with a spoon out of the container? Was his he putting fingers. it on toast his with his fingers? Oh, okay. That must be the <laughs> that must be the bougie way to do it, I guess, huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know, bro. Listen, I can't give him too hard every a time. I mean, he was getting the double topping, so you know. Exactly. What am I, I going to say to the What am I going to say to
0: the man, right? Exactly. Sammy Sosa put Neapolitans on. Transforming from natural chocolate to scary vanilla to now Pepto-Bismol pink, what in the shit is wrong with this man?
2: This stems from that ESPYs appearance, right? Yes. Like, what? That was that was pretty freaky. I, I have to admit. Like, he he, I hadn't heard that dude's name. I don't know, Jr. How long has it been? Yes. Almost ten years. Since he's been around, and usually even after the fact. Like, Canseco, you hear Kenseko's name all the time still. McGuire, not so much. But the guys from that era, you'll still hear their names periodically. But Sosa, you never heard anything about him until he just randomly shows up during the SPs looking like, you said, a Pepto-Bismol bottle walked out on
0: stage. Yeah, terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Florida guest choir director on the loop. After leaping from the choir stand over the pool pit, the clothesline pastor doing a sermon about fornication of celibacy.
2: <laughs> Dude, if you just close your eyes and visualize that scenario playing out, it's hilarious. Like just the, it's almost like a scene from a movie, right? Exactly. Like, I could just imagine, you know, with the the choir robe on, you know, coming over top of the the pulpit and just clotheslining some dude. I mean, uh, I don't even know. Like, did the choir stop singing while this was going on, or did they just keep going? Like, was there music in the background? I I tend to think that the music probably just kept going, at least for a little
0: bit, right? Yes, it did. While the pastor was
2: down. (laughs) You don't just like the choir. Just doesn't stop. They just keep going. They're not. They're there to sing, and play. You know. They're not gonna stop for that. It's just like the dude was getting a beat down to some gospel. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Uh, must be nice. Cali teens win the lottery twice in one week and bas $65,000. Yeah, dude. I mean, I uh, I heard
2: about this one out in my travels, Jr. And. I, I don't know. Like, hitting the lottery twice in one week, regardless of the jackpot prize, it, it was in one, one week, right? Yes. I mean, literally, that the odds on that have to be astronomical. They have to yeah, be right. completely astronomical. I was at the gas station uh, last week, and some dude ran his ticket through the little scanner thing, and he won 1500 bucks. He was, like, shocked. He did it, like, three times, and he couldn't believe it, you know? This cat, I mean... He, what do you do when you win the second one? Like, you already freaked out because you won the first one, right? You got all excited. The second one, are you just like, oh, all right, sweet. I did it again.
0: <laughs> exactly. And this is a story we've heard for with DY, but Florida man's arrested after running nude through the hotel, pulling fire alarms, spraying guests in the face with fire, finished them off with stone cold stunners.
2: So, the one thing I didn't get into on the story when we spoke with DY was you said that he was spraying people in the face with fire? Yes. Okay, now the question I had on this was he doing it like from his mouth, you know, where the guys like drink 151 and then like spray it spray it out or was he like did he have some kind of device blow like torch. a blowtorch, a blowtorch? Dude, that that's, free. That's crazy right there. It's one thing to, like, be butt naked running around pulling fire alarms. You start spraying people in the face with a blowtorch, you could do some damage, bro. <laughs> exactly. And on top of that, you don't want to be playing with a blowtorch when you're naked. I'm just going to put that out there. You could scorch the earth down there, if you know what I'm saying.
0: Exactly. My man, exactly. We had this Texas woman is arrested after slapping fire attendant and banging on cockpit door... After being refused alcohol and an opportunity to top them off, right? <laughs>
2: the, uh, quote unquote, that's gonna go down in uh, Boss Man show history. Quote unquote, the opportunity to top them off, right there. Yes. So, whenever there's a story now from here on out where a woman is upset because she was denied, we've had these before, where she was denied access to the ding dong. Um, she is going to be dubbed to have been denied the opportunity
0: to, to top, top, them, top off them off. Right? Yes. <laughs> oh. <sighs> that take alone is the best part of that story you know, he can go with that. we got what he for that story right there we got listen needed. some of these
2: ladies out there man they get militant when they don't get access to you know <laughs> the, what they're looking for I guess I can say yes
0: here we go movie night turns violent after Florida woman attacks husband with a sword over repeated farting Alleging that the hot dog and popcorn combo went south on him and White retorted. That's why I don't give you no oral because you nasty down there.
2: <laughs> I, I can't even, do. <laughs> you lost me when you told me about the hot dog and popcorn combo. Right? <laughs> My man is just cracking him off, bro. Like he's working at BSA Atlanta. I mean, oh. And she straight up told him, man, I, she is not going south of the border because of that. Oh, my God. And she, she attacked him with a sword? Yes. Or vice, vice versa? She
0: hit him with a sword at the movie theater. I never swore at the movie theater. Why?
2: Well, I don't know. That's the boss report. That's all I can say about that. Who knows? Think about some of the weapons that we've had over the years and where they've been pulled from. Like, that is one of the main um, questions that I have sometimes with the with the boss report stories. Is like, hey, how did you, you know, why did you have a pipe wrench in the middle of Piggly Wiggly? Like, what? <laughs> like, why did you have this weapon in this location? Wow.
0: Woo-wee, we Story. Uh, we got Rhode Island Taco Bell customer arrested after going on a rampage, bashing workers with bats over wrong order issue, which was hard tacos instead of soft tacos. I, listen, I'm gonna put this out there, JR.
2: Um, taco soft tacos are trash. Okay, if you if you get the soft tacos, I can't mess with you. You got to get the hard tacos. That's all I'm saying, and preferably. You should be eating the Doritos uh, Locos Locos Taco. taco. Right? Yeah. The nacho cheese. I'll I'll mess with the Cool Ranch once in a while, but mostly it's the nacho cheese. Um, I don't know. I just, they're they're soft tacos to me are trash.
0: Exactly. And we got this. Florida couple arrested after busting calves and babysitting and flings' asses after coming home to see their four-year-old son bashing the heads of his nine-month-old triplet siblings with Wiffle Ball said my babysitter was getting piped in the bonus room while listening to Marvin Gaye. (laughs) Like, they they had to
2: throw that part in at the end. Okay? Like, zero relevance to the story whatsoever. Getting piped to some Marvin Gaye. Like, like you had to throw that in there. So, you get... the, The only reason that you throw the Marvin Gaye thing at the end of that story is to kind of like set the mood for the kind of piping it was right like <laughs> exactly so you knew what what was going down in there for oh 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 it was just there was some marvin Gaye involved okay all right now i know why she didn't hear this going down because it was like it was on and then this kid is just filming <laughs> his brothers and sisters with whiffle balls like you know <laughs> yes it's like it's batting practice and he's you know firing off fungo shots to the hot corner you know I don't even know dude. this is this is actually I think might be better than or on par with the kid that was you know pretending he was a robot Zumba cleaning up the floor (laughs) when the babysitter was getting getting the business and the other kid what was the other kid doing oh remember that one getting chopped off by by the dog yeah, getting topped off by the dog, and then, the, and then the, the little baby was just like rolling around on the floor, you know, pretending he was a, a robot vacuum or something. <laughs> Stupid. I
0: don't even know, man. Hey, you got the Marvin Gaye though. You gotta, you gotta do what you do. And final of on court day is this John or your mom arrested after towing kids in a red wagon behind her car. <laughs>
2: Was, I just This is a legit question Okay Was it punishment Or was it for fun I did not say the story Because that makes a difference Like if you're just If There's two types of stupidity here right You could either just be trying to have fun with your kids And you, it was a really stupid idea Or You were trying to punish them And it was a really stupid idea So either way it's stupid But there's different scenarios that play out I don't even know bro Like What What do you do when you hit the brakes The kids just come flying into the back of the car Think so. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> this was a report, not as long as some of the ones we've had, Jr. But definitely packed with quality.
0: Exactly. And uh, which stories gonna stick with you the most out of this report, man? I uh, dude,
2: I I have to go with the babysitter one again. I mean, these babysitter stories, they Are, are fa- they're fantastic. Like I, frankly, could do one every week. I really could because it's just <laughs> like so many layers because the kids are. You know, I just have these images of the kids going crazy in the living room and babysitters in the back with Marvin Gaye, and it's just... Just kids bashing balls off his siblings. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's just piping shots down (laughs) to second base, you know, practicing turning double plays out there. (laughs) I don't know, man, I love him,
0: I love him. Yes, indeed. Well, folks, I tell you what. The question for you this week: We had Paul, we're in New Mexico. We had Marcus Thompson, Barry News Group, and we had Donald Young. So, folks, check out the Bossman Show, Bossman Radio Network, BossmanRadioShow.com, Bossman Radio Network. We are out. And
2: Thanks to this year-round research and analysis, the guys at DDC have an unmatched understanding of player values. So gain an edge on your league mates this season by hitting up DraftDayConsultants.com. That's www.DraftDayConsultants.com. Now get after it, fantasy footballers.
0: Hip-hop fans, I got a great album for you.